Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, I, I want to, the message today is not a series, it's a standalone one message today. And uh, do you ever get that little notification on your phone uh, that says you have a software upgrade available? You ever get that? You know, it says you need to upgrade your software. Uh, we're going to fix some bugs. We're going to make it better. You know, periodically, even your device needs to be upgraded. It, it needs to be updated. Uh, I'm really concerned with how we're walking through this 2020 year that we need an upgrade on our faith. Can somebody say amen to that? So today, we're going to get a faith upgrade. Your faith needs a software update. How many could say amen to that? You know, uh, it, we, we, we need to do that. I, there's some questions. How are we responding to 2020? Let me ask you that. How are we responding to 2020? Let's talk about where we are right now on this Sunday in October. How are we responding to 2020? Uh, you know, I have a, a pastor friend uh, that, that, that I love my fellowship with him. Uh, and uh, Dr. Oscar Montgomery pastors a wonderful church in Huntsville, and, and uh, over the years, during, as we developed a friendship, uh, I noticed some things when I asked him, I, when I've, I've known that he was going through some challenges, I, I'd say, well, Oscar or Dr. Montgomery, how are you doing? And, and, and he would answer me different ways, but every once in a while he would say, I'm responding well. So I said, can I ask you a question? We're friends. He said, sure. I said, when you say you're responding well, is that what I think you're saying? He said, yes, it is. In other words, instead of saying something negative, and instead of doing what we always do at church, come on, tell the truth. Come on, you walk in, it's the worst week of your life. And we come to church, and somebody says, how you doing? I'm doing great, brother. Really? Really? You know? And so Dr. Montgomery, in his positive attitude, I love it, he's, when he said, I know when my friend's having a hard time, when I say, Oscar, how's it going? He says, George, I'm responding well. I said, okay, gotcha. I start praying for Dr. Montgomery when he tells me that. But that's an important thing to do. So my question is, how are you responding? How are you handling this? How are you working on this? What's it doing to you? Okay, that's what we want to talk about today. What's my mindset in October of 2020? What's my mindset? Weren't you a little like me? I thought when all this thing started and, you know, we jumped in this thing into February, really beginning in March and April, I said, okay, we'll buckle down a couple of months. We'll be through this. This will be behind us. We'll be right on down the road. Anybody else feel that? That's what I thought. Maybe that's what I wanted to think, but that's kind of how I went into this. Said, oh, we'll get this. We'll do this. It's fine. Give, it, give us 30, 60 days. We'll be on the other side. Well, here we are in October. So how are we responding? What's our mindset? You know, there's been so much focus on distancing, on shortages, on uncertainty, on lack, and on fear, I really feel like we need to take some inventory today and recalibrate our faith, get some bugs out of our faith. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. I want to read this to you from three different translations today, all right? So you may have the NIV. I want to read the, from the Amplified. I want to read from the Passion Translation. I want you to think about this. This is the focus I want us to take today as we go into this message, right? I want, I want you to look at your life, look at your thought pattern. Uh, take this as a, as a measuring stick for us, okay? Let's look at the New International Version first. 
Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, do you know we're, we're, we're coming out of Hebrews 11 and what many call the, the hall of fame of faith. And so immediately going into verse chapter 12, we're reminded about all those great men and women and their testimonies. So our setting in 2020, come on, are you with me? Here's what we need to do. We need to keep the big picture in mind. How many are with me today? We need to remember that God's still on the throne. Anybody with me today? Okay. So we're surrounded today by the testimony of God's faithfulness. Someone say amen to that. We are surrounded by the faithfulness of God. Let us throw off everything that hinders, all right? Let's get rid of some bugs. There's some, there's some things trying to attach themselves to our faith. Are you with me right now? All right? Let us throw off everything that hinders. Look at this. You know what happens when your faith gets low? Are you with me? You start sinning. So, Pastor, we can't talk about sin in 2020. The church doesn't do that anymore. Well, this one does. Thank you for one amen, two holy grunts. I'm going to try that again. Uh, let me go to the big screen then, if the little screen didn't work, right? So what happens is our faith gets low. We start sinning. You know what the word sin means? To miss the mark. We start doing things we wouldn't normally do. People start saying goofy things like, well, it's 2020, what does it matter? Same word it was in 2019. Same Bible is going to be in 2021. Jesus, help me. I'm having to work with you guys right now, and I'm just getting started here. All right. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, what do we do? Let's throw off everything that hinders, let's, the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Verse 2. Fixing. What do we do? All right. Let's refocus. Come on. Let's refocus. Let's reset. What do we do? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Did you know, I didn't know the writer of Hebrews was a southerner. Because we're the only people who use the word fixing. Come on, tell the truth. You know, that's when we're about to do something. I'm fixing to go to work, right? Okay, never mind. I'm just, okay. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Who? Look at this. The pioneer and the perfecter. The author and the finisher of our faith. For the joy set before him. Look at this. We need to, we're, we're looking at his example. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. See, for the joy of his promises, of who he is, of what's coming, we're going to walk through this season well, scorning its shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's look in the Amplified Translation. I believe that'll be next. Therefore, then, since we're surrounded by such so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, look at this, deftly and cleverly clings to and entangles us, and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race set before us. Powerful. Now let's go to the Passion Translation. Or, Okay. As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. Don't you love that? So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we'll be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has been already marked out for us. Verse 2 here. We look away from the natural realm. And we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us 
and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm going to tell you that's good stuff right there. Aren't you thankful for the word of God? I mean, don't do it, but we could go home and we've heard something right now. Don't turn your TV off or shut your computer. But this is the Word of God, folks. That is on point for where we are. You know, in this current environment, let's be honest, our default reaction, what we do if we're not in the Word in this moment, our default reaction could become, we just become too passive. Are you with me? Too fatalistic. Well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen, Pastor. We become too hesitant. We, we become too fearful and focused. But I notice in the Bible, don't you notice, everyone that I admire in Scripture could have been called a risk taker. Anybody with me in that? Everyone you and I admire in Scripture, you could call them a risk taker. But when we take a second look at their life, they really weren't careless and, and just risky. They were men and women who chose to obey God rather than the circumstances in front of them. They just made the decision, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to trust his promises. Now, let's, let, I, I talked about this Wednesday night, my 15 minutes of faith. But do you and I understand, we need to be reminded as we're refocusing and recalibrating our faith, this 2020 year is just a transition period. How many hear what I'm saying? We're in a transition period. This isn't all life's going to be. How many are with me right now? We're in a transition season. We're in a coronavirus season. We're in a pandemic season. We're in a social justice season. That if we respond correctly to the moment, we're going to have greater things on the other side of this. It's a season. It's a transition. How do we need to understand that? Well, we need to realize that transition is just a connection from one point to the other. It's like the hallway in a building or a home. You don't live in the hall. You take the hall to go from point A to point B. Anybody with me right now? This is a transition. What you do in transitions, let me make this statement. You don't make long-term decisions in the midst of short-term seasons. Don't make long-term decisions in the midst of short-term seasons. In other words, the, the, I, I, it, the, the voices are, are trying to rise. I hear people saying, well, you know, people are never going to come back to church. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. You say, well, some aren't. Well, you know what? We built this church from ground zero. I'm willing to build this church from ground zero again. You know, Pastor, I hear these people saying, well, some people are never going to come back. Well, we're going to go find them and get them back right with Jesus. We're going to find people that are lost and put them in the kingdom of God. How many hear what I'm saying? See, this is a transition. We're not going to make long-term decisions in the middle of a short-term season. Well, Pastor, I don't know what we're going to do. So I don't know. This is what I know. I know that I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, who for the joy set before him endured the shame of the cross. Come on. How many are thankful that we're in a transition? The coronavirus is going to go away someday. We're going to come out on the other side. Somebody's going to make another vaccination. I believe Jehovah Rapha, the healer, God's going to bring us through. And this isn't what we're going to always be or do. 
How many understand that? How many are with me on that? We're in a transition, so how do we respond to the moment? Understanding that God's working his will and his purposes. It's just a transition time. So I want you to look with me. I want you to go to Numbers chapter 13 at one of the greatest heroes of transition leadership in Scripture. Hebrews, uh, Numbers 13. Turn there with me. I think this is fascinating when we really look at this. How many of you recognize the anointed duo leadership of Joshua and Caleb? How many ever heard of Joshua and Caleb? Let me see your hand. How many are familiar with that? Would you say Caleb is a hero? Would you say he's a great leader, a hero of faith? Absolutely. Can I tell you something? Do you know that we're all aware of him as believers? Joshua and Caleb, oh yeah, we're in Numbers 13. We're aware of his leadership, of how God used him, of his faith. Can I tell you something amazing? Do you know that Joshua, I mean Caleb, only occupies 30 verses in Scripture? 30 verses. That's it. And yet we talk about him today. And yet his influence was amazing. Because he led in a transition. I want to give you a thought right now to, to, to hold close while I'm teaching you a little more today. Here's, here's my question. What are you and I going to do with our 30 verses of opportunity in this life? What are, what are you and I going to do? What's the narrative that's going to be written about you and me, about the church during the coronavirus transition? 30 verses. 30 verses, a small slice of life, and yet this man stepped right into it, okay? So let's look at this. Numbers 13, it was a transition time. The nation of Israel had been mightily, powerfully, supernaturally released from Egyptian bondage. They're transitioning to the promised land, and they're now there on the banks of the Jordan River. They, they, they have, in a few months, not 40 years, but in a few months, reached the place God promised them. And so they're making plans to go in. Numbers 13. I want you to look there with me. I probably should turn there with you as well. Numbers chapter 13. Let me turn here and let's let's look at this together. Here's what happens. They're getting ready to go in. Verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, send men, some men, to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders, 12 tribes of Israel. He said, select one leader from each tribe. They're going to go scout out the land. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. So he didn't ask them, go see if we can do this. God promised us we're going to have this place. He said, I want you to go do a little reconnaissance, bring back a report. Why? They were putting together a strategy to invade the land and take their promise. So the 12 spies go. Let uh, Joshua and Caleb were two of those. Let's drop down to verse 17. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. Now, why did he say bring back the fruit? They'd been walking in the desert for nine months. And he says, if there's any fruit, come on, bring it back. I'm hungry for some fruit. 
Now go. So the men go, and we read, we can drop down to verse 23. When they reached the valley of Eschol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried on a pole between them along with some pomegranates and figs. Do you understand that? This one cluster of grapes was so large, it took two men to carry it on a pole. To this day, that's the symbol for tourism in the nation of Israel. Two guys carrying that cluster of grapes. So here's the fruit. Man, just like God said. Now let's drop down to verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. Watch this closely, guys. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. In other words, just like you said, look at this fruit. And look what God promised us. We not only have a land, look at this. However, the next verse, but the people who live there. Be careful how I say this. (laughs) That word, but will kill you every time. God, this is what you said, but someone said you need to keep your out of the way, but that, I wouldn't say that in church. But So you've you got to watch right there at the right moment. Here, here's, here's this thing. Don't change on God right here. See, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified, and they're very large. We even saw descendants of, descendants of Anak there. Those are giants. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Now, let me help you. When, when we talk about the descendants of Anak and giants, we're not talking about Jack and the Beanstalk. We're not talking about 30 feet tall. We're talking about those that were relatives of Goliath. There were men in this day, I don't have time to go into why and where they came from, some eight and nine feet tall. Unbelievable, these, these, this tribe of men. And so they say, this is what it's like. But I want you to look at verse number 30 with me. Then who? Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. Look, they said all the people. They weren't all giants. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. So you have a divided report. You have two men that said, we can do this. Caleb said, come on, God promised it, let's go get it. And 10 said, no, 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 there's no way. Can I tell you that in a transition season, in a moment like we are in, the power of your words has never been more important. If we're going to do a software upgrade on our faith, the first bug we need to get out of the system is how we talk about what God is doing and what God's going to do. Look at this verse in Proverbs. You've seen it many, many times. Let's look at it again. Proverbs 18, verse 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, 
and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What are you saying about your life right now? What are your he children hearing you say right now? What are you saying about your job? What are you talking about our God? What are we saying about our future? What are we saying about the coronavirus? The power of life and death is in our tongue. And these men who literally put their feet on the promise of God came back and said, we can't do it. We can't do it. And their words, listen to this, captured the fear of an entire nation and robbed a generation from ever going in to the promise of God. The power of words. Ten men robbed the destiny of a nation because of what they said. I want to be responsible before God to how I talk. Anybody with me here today? If you're willing to walk in faith in this season, you're going to have to give attention to what you talk about. Faith doesn't deny the reality. Listen to me, I'm going to tell you something. Faith doesn't deny reality, but it may not talk about the circumstance. Well, pastor, it's happening. Sure, it's happening. Well, you know how many people have died from the coronavirus? Every one of those deaths is a tragedy. But have you talked about how many have been raised up from it and how many God has healed? Have we talked about who's still alive? Have we talked about what we're going to do? Have we talked about what's going on on the other side? Have we talked about the healthcare workers who've lived in the middle of that for months now and God sovereignly has kept them safe and kept them alive? Have we talked about the provision God has made, the people we have fed, the money you still have, the house you're living in, the car you're driving, the utilities that you have turned on, the food that's in your cabinet and in your refrigerator, the gas that's in your car, the tires that are on your car, the people that you have in your house, the dry roof you slept under last night, the favor of God on your life. I'm here to tell you there is a pandemic, but there is also a God, and we should go over and take this land because God has promised it to us. That's what I want to talk about. If we're going to examine our faith in this season, we have to think about how we talk. Anybody with me on this thing? Look at James 3, verses 5 through 12. James 3, verses 5 through 12. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Lord, help us. We know that, don't we? Consider, look at this, what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Look what's happening out on the West Coast right now. All that damage and destruction started from a spark someplace. Let's go to the next verse. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Next verse. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Verse 8. But no human being can tame the tongue. No human being can tame the tongue. Well, what do we do about it? We submit it to the Holy Spirit. We get on our knees before God. We do what the Word says. Say, Lord, I deny myself and I take up my cross. I follow you. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Man, it's strong stuff. Verse 9. With the tongue we pray. This is, this is the deal. With our tongue we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Stay there for a minute. Let's go back to verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Leave that up there for a minute. Read that. Look at that. 
Do you know that what I say with my tongue on Sunday, I could negate on Monday if I don't watch what I'm doing? Do you know the praises I'm lifting on Sunday, I can curse and rob it on Monday if I think I can talk about God one way and my brother another? Okay, verse 10. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. I don't really need to say anything else about the tongue, do I? See, it's so critical. When we look at the impact of what 10 men said, that nation believed that more than the promises of God. They believed that more than the report of the other two who had been there. The influence and responsibility of leadership and transition is greater than it would ever be. Let me say that again. The responsibility and influence of leadership when you're going through transition is at its highest level. Those 10 men lost a generation by faulty leadership. Are you with me? Those 10 men forfeited the purpose of God for their generation. I want you to hear me today. This is not just about you and me. How many are with me? This is about our children and our grandchildren. This is not just us. It's not just this moment. It's what's coming after this moment. The reason we need to recalibrate our faith, do an examination, upgrade the faith software working inside of us is that we have children and grandchildren that are desperately dependent on how you and I are going to respond right now. Anybody with me in this thing? See, too often our fallen nature Human nature, we always use the term human nature. Do you know what you could say for human nature? Fallen nature. See, the things that we say, well, that's just what feels right to me. It's because we're fallen. (laughs) Well, it's just, that's not how I see it. It's because you're fallen. (laughs) Well, that doesn't make sense to me. Well, it's because you're fallen. Okay? Too often, human nature, fallen nature, we give more influence to negative things than positive things. We hear a negative and overrides 10 positives. Too often our goal, listen to me, when we begin to operate weights, why I'm wanting us to have an upgrade in our faith, too often in that environment our goal becomes avoiding any potential crisis. Our goal becomes safety. Our goal becomes self-preservation. Are anybody with me right now? We're, we're, we're being pushed into an atmosphere of hiding away in our home. We're being pushed into an atmosphere of preservation and, 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 and existence when we are serving the God who is for us, who said that land is yours, your promises are real. We need to not fail to seize the opportunities of God. Fear of failure, listen to me, fear of, fear of failure is a prison and a thief. The fear of failure is a prison and it's a thief. Quick, name me one of the ten spies who brought the bad report. Name one for me. How, why do we remember Joshua and Caleb? Because they trusted Almighty God. And their leadership in that transition gave another generation an opportunity. When you and I walk through this transition, I don't want our name, our influence, what we did forgotten because we missed our opportunity. I want you and I have left a legacy of faith. Now, they evidently, you know, 
forgot everything that God had done. They evidently missed everything that, that, that God had promised them. They, they, they missed that. He, he had said to them, just for the sake of time, I, I, I can't go, but, but, but we, we go back and look in Exodus. Remember what God had told them? He said, I'm going to send my angel before you. He said, I'm, listen, this is what he said. He said, I'm going to be an enemy to your enemies. Ooh. I'm going to oppose those who oppose you. I'm even going to send hornets out in front of you. I'm going to defeat your enemies. I'll be an enemy to your enemies. I'll oppose those that oppose you. Can I tell you right now in 2020, my faith is encouraged because everything that's an enemy to the advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ has made itself an enemy of Almighty God. You know, the enemies of the gospel are the enemies of God. Come on, let's praise God for that today. I'm not intimidated by who's opposing the gospel. They are setting themselves up as an enemy of God. He said, your enemy becomes my enemy. Those who oppose you oppose God. I don't know. I'm, I'm for guidelines. I'm for health. I'm for safety. I mean, I got my mask. I wear that cotton-picking thing all the time and do what I'm supposed to do and bump elbows and fist bump and all that stuff. And I have had so much antiseptic on my hands. Come on, on, tell the truth. You know what they're going to tell us in two years? That all that hand sanitizer was a problem. But guess what? He's Jehovah Rapha in the virus. He's Jehovah Rapha when I get on the other side of this thing. Listen, I'm doing all I'm supposed to do. We're doing all we're supposed to do around this place. But I'm going to tell you something. There, there are some people, I believe, who are taking advantage of this to try to limit the church, stop the church from meeting, stop the church from assembling, taking advantage of an opportunity. And I want to put you on notice if you're standing against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, my enemy enemies have become his enemies and those who oppose his church you're opposing almighty God I'm going to tell you you better double think rethink get your act together because when the dust settles the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to prevail and the gates of hell and every demon and every voice and everyone who opposes that you're going to lose 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 because if God be for us who can be against us I'm George Sawyer, and I approve this message. By the way, I think we ought to have Jesus in 2020. What about you? Anyhow, so, so let's look at this. Let's look at this. Let's look at this. So what happened? What did they forget? What did they forget? How, how does that happen? See, let, let's, let's look at Numbers 14, verses 1 through 3. I'm going I'm to give you two things here. We're going we're gonna to conclude. So you see this process. See why we need our faith recalibrated. We're, we're, we're being bombarded with things, but we have to keep our focus on Jesus and our face in the Word and our knees in prayer. See, see, look how they responded after this negative report. Look at chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. Wow. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt. They'd wailed and wailed for 400 years, save us. And now they said, wish we'd have died there, my God. Or we could have just died in the desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land? Only to let us fall by the sword. 
Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Dear God, what happened to them? Listen to me closely. They made two big mistakes. We're not going to do this during this time. Two big mistakes. Number one, what did they do? They, un- they overestimated. They overstated the opposition against them. They overstated the opposition against them. They began to dwell on that. They began to think about it. It consumed them. They wept. They complained. They gave up. They overstated the opposition against them. They said, all the people are of great size. There were some giants, but they weren't all giants. And then they said, we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. Remember we just read that? Well, well, can I, let me show you something. When they finally obeyed God and got to the land, remember they said, we we look like grasshoppers to them. They overstated their enemy. Look in Joshua 2. Let me show you this. This is how the enemy actually looked at them. This is how the devil actually looks at you right now. Are you with me? This this thing you think is going to kill you. Go to Joshua 2, verse 8. I want you to see this. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 8. If it's not here, I've got it. You got it? Joshua 2, 8. It, it, it's amazing. I, I want you to listen to what happens when they finally arrive at, at the promised land. Are you ready? Joshua 2 and verse 8. Listen to this. Before the spies lay down for the night, she, Rahab, went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you. Now, remember, remember they said our enemies, we look like grasshoppers. They're going to destroy us and defeat us. Look at this. She says, I know that the Lord has given this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us. Oh, what, what? I, I, I thought they looked like the grasshoppers. She says, we're the grasshoppers. A great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Right now, that enemy that some are overstating is more afraid of you than you could ever be of him. Right now, this enemy, see, see, let's read this. I know that the Lord has given you this land. This is a person that lived there. And that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country, look at it, are melting in fear because of you. Do you know, listen, listen, let me, let me help you with something. Don't make the mistake of comparing yourself to your enemy when you should be comparing your enemy to the great God that you're serving. Come on, can I say that again? Don't make the mistake of comparing yourself to your enemy when you should be comparing your enemy to the greatness of the God who made you the promise. I can tell you that enemy that the devil wants you to fear, that enemy's afraid of you. That circumstance that you think you can't conquer, it's fearful that a man or a woman of God will rise up and say, if God be for us, who can be against us? So they overstated their enemy. They missed it badly. And the second thing they did is they underestimated their God. They underestimated their God. How could they so quickly forget? How could that pass out of their consciousness? The miracles that God had done. The Red Sea that parted. The manna that came from heaven. The, the, the blessings of God. Listen, this was an ancient history. They had experienced it. Are you with me? They saw it. 
They ate the manna. They walked through on dry ground with a sea wall on either side of them. They saw God bless the land of Goshen where they lived while the plagues were falling on the rest of Egypt. They saw it. They were carrying in their luggage the wealth of that nation that they had lavished on them as they walked out with the favor of God on their life. Yet, one report, and they said we should have died. It should be all over. How could they forget so quickly? But I think the most important question on this Sunday morning, 2020, is how could we forget so quickly what God has done? Is there anybody in this room that's been saved by the glorious grace of Jesus Christ. Can I see your hand? Oh, yeah. Come on. Anybody in this room, you or your family, been healed by the miraculous power of God? Come on, look at this. Look at this. Anybody you know that's been delivered from bondage and set free by the power of God? Anybody have a prodigal son or daughter that came back home because God brought them in? Anybody have a marriage that the world said is over and God healed it and put it back together? I'm going to tell you, I refuse to forget what the Lord has done. I refuse to turn my back during a transition. Oh, right now, we're wearing masks and elbowing and high fisting and and, and we're distancing, but I'm going to tell you, the same God that put us through 2019 is going to walk us through 2020 and take us into 2021, and the best is yet to come. I refuse to lay down my faith, forget about my God, say he's not who he was. I believe he's the same God. The Word says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, the same today. Someone say today. He's the same today. He's the same today, and he'll be the same tomorrow. I'm not letting go of the God who brought me out while I'm walking to my next point. I'm in a transition, but I'm going from where he's been good to where he will be great, and I'm not going to miss my moment caught in the middle of this thing. Anybody with me right now? (laughs) Then I got to say, Hebrews chapter 12, what about all those great cloud of witnesses? I I see you, Abraham. I hear you, Moses. I got you, girl, Esther. I know who you are, Ruth. I hear you, Paul. I see you, Peter. I know you, Matthew, the old tax collector everybody hated, but you got saved, forgiven, delivered. I see you, Zacchaeus, up in that tree who came down, and Jesus came to your house, and you were a low-down thief, and you gave half of it away because you found a treasure that this world couldn't offer and you said I'd rather have Jesus than all this I hear your witness my God's been too good you're faithful and we're going to walk with him through this time thank you for listening to today's podcast you can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages if today's message has blessed you Please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.